Life Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. Welcome to Music Life Radio. I'm your host for this evening's show. My name is Eric Kaur, and with me I have Chris Corp from the band Slackboned, and today's episode is The Legend of Slackboned. <sighs> so welcome, Chris. Welcome to Music Life Radio. Nice to be here. So could you tell us a little bit about how Slackbone actually started up and became a band? Uh, there was a m- music store down in Redwood City that was closing called Gelb Music, and they had a... Uh, uh, sale, uh, going out of business sale. And we uh, went down there and it was it was huge prices uh, discounted. It was like 75% off. And we bought a couple guitars, a couple amps and a, and a uh, PA. And then we came back uh, to Wayne's apartment, Wayne Schiller being uh, the, the co-founder with myself. Mm-hmm. And we just got drunk and just started making weird music. And the music, here's the thing, was was just about our work as baggage handlers, essentially. Okay. And it was essentially going to be music for baggage handlers, if you can think of a more niche crowd. Well, I think you targeted an audience that hasn't been targeted yet, so I think that was a good choice. And we had a, it, it, and so it always meant we had at least ten people coming to our shows, at least, <laughs> you, you know. But an international audience. That's true. Potentially, uh, potentially. You know, we were never translated into other languages, <laughs> but, it, but it worked well. Anyway, so we recorded these really weird things. I mean, we even had a song called Whales that was just Wayne and I making whale sounds with our uh, mouths as we uh, sloshed water around in his bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I know it was it was, it was ludicrous, but here's the deal: we we uh, just we made a really weird, I guess you would call it a demo tape, even though we were we I don't know it was just we just made a tape. Let's put it that way. Okay, was this on a four track? Was this on just uh, a cassette or this was yes, it was on a four track. Okay. As a matter of fact, it, uh, it, you know we didn't deserve even a four track at that point, but <laughs> but we 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 did it on a four track. But I think. That was part of that Gelb music sale. And um, so anyway, so we, we sent the, uh, why not? We sent the tapes to record companies just thinking, oh, this will be funny, right? We, we, we got a rejection letter right away from Sub Pop with uh, the title Dear Loser and, and, uh, uh, and various things. Yeah, Sub Pop was huge at the is, time. Is that framed anywhere? That's, that's... I, I'm still looking for it because it, w- it was written like a ransom note with pasted pieces to get, <laughs> you know, on there that, that just basically... You must have really made an impact on oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it just tore us to shreds on why we were the, the, the worst thing ever. And uh, yeah, so that was a... That strangely motivated us, but anyway, we we get we get a le- letter back from Shimmy Disc in New York with the famed uh, Kramer from Bongwater with uh, Ann Magnuson, and it, it came back and it said, "Great fucking tape. When can you get out here to New York to record?" And we were like, "Wow, yeah." We're like, "Uh, record that?" <laughs> Did you even remember what you had sent to them? Was yeah, it the oh, same yeah, thing yeah, to everybody, yeah, or was yeah, it just... yeah? It was the same thing. We okay. we, we, we had a pretty, we had good jobs, so we we at the time, so we uh we we had a. That was the thing. The demo tape was really slick. You would think we were like really go-getters, even though this was the most slack thing we ever put okay. out there. And anyway, and he said, great fucking tape, which was both exciting and and with the thought of recording in New York, terrifying, because we're like, I don't even know what we were. I mean, we, we had the re- 
we had the record. We had the we had the record on tape of what we recorded, but we had no idea how to recreate that. Okay, so it was basically noise. Yeah, it was. No, no there was music. But, okay, but yeah, I wouldn't call it cohesive by any means. Anyway. So we decided we wanted to uh, get our act together. So uh, um, among our baggage handlers, we 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 got a drummer, uh, Khan Shegalev. Okay. And a uh, fantastic drummer at that, which we had no idea. He was just a guy that loaded bags with us. We had no idea. He was amazing. Yeah. And uh, and Wayne's wife, uh, Suzanne, now Suzanne Kimmel. Yeah. And, and so we got a rehearsal space at the other secret studios. We're in the, uh, a different secret studio. We're in the more secret, secret studios recording right. this. Yes. At the original secret studios, which the secret was soon blown. <laughs> and, and we, um, and we just started rehearsing and writing songs. And, and what we did is we became a punk band out of that, which is, I mean, makes sense. We all have punk roots. Right. And, uh, and, but we became pretty tight. We kept rehearsing, you know, with our work schedules, it made us schedule our, we had a working class ethic with our, uh, rehearsals. And so we became pretty tight. Now, now that sounds wonderful, except remember we sent this really crazy tape to Kramer and that's what he was expecting. Okay. Now, did you also already have the, the name picked out at that time or was that? Actually, no, we were, um, we were Slack Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> and uh but the problem was is is people uh and even with all that he he really wanted you to get out to new york to record that quickly right right, right. And, and and people thought we were uh when we ran it by too many people thought we were a black sabbath cover band uh or something <laughs> we were so slack we just didn't get around by a really covering. slow black sabbath right and uh anyway so our drummer uh con Chegolov, he he's the one that suggested uh slack bone any anyway we uh working for the airline as a baggage handler which we all did, and Suzanne had the benefits through Wayne. We flew out to uh, Demarest, New Jersey, to Kramer's uh, studios, and they greeted us, and we had a weekend. We're, we were just going to record a, a, a single, basically, okay. and a, a couple of B-sides. And um, we plugged in, and we started going, and they were horrified. <laughs> they were just, you, you know, they hit it well, and they were really super nice. Right. But but they, uh, they oh my goodness, they just, uh, how it worked, it was the first day the uh, engineer came in and recorded all of our stuff, and you could tell he was like comparing his notes to what he was expecting, and, okay. he, and, and you could tell he was, whoa, this is not what we wanted. We're, we're doing incredibly fast songs, no God, atheism right. theme, and, uh, and uh yeah, anyway, and so the next day is when the fame Kramer came in to do the uh, mix down. And oh, so he had no idea that this was right, coming. Right, right, it was delayed for him. And he comes in expecting the weirdness, that, and we were still weird, but we were just cohesive and tight. And oh, he was, he was, yeah, he, he didn't even really talk to us he, after he heard the stuff. He was, he felt duped, I think. But he still, you know, to his credit, he still went through and mixed the hell out of it and did a great job and actually put our single out on uh, Shimmy Dis, uh, uh, the subsidiary uh, Coco Pop uh, okay. that did the uh, singles. So uh, essentially, we became a band because we had a record deal. Okay, kind of the back. Backward, got a little bit backward approach. Yeah, it's kind of like a monkeys thing or something. I, I okay, don't know, something weird. You know, become a band because you're a TV show or something. Yeah, hey, whatever yeah. gets you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It anyway, is. so that was odd. All right, <laughs> an alcohol fueled legend. Right, right, exactly. Okay, uh, what were the songs on that that first demo? Do you remember? Yeah, we did. Well, uh, yeah, we did. Um, 
Moving On, which was written by Wayne, a really mo- uh, th- that was actually less punk and more moody, and it's, I still like listening to it. It's a really good song. Very simple. Um, of course, we, we had just picked up guitars, so but very simple stuff. I can't seem to make up my mind. You can't seem to find the time. I'll just wait here by the phone. was kind of your foray into music then yeah i learned to play guitar for the record you're shitting me no 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 well i mean uh, no i mean it's just funny because you're a phenomenal guitar player and i had no idea that's <laughs> well thank you but uh yeah yeah the uh yeah i i learned to play guitar for for all that yeah you know, okay. and, and, uh, <laughs> wow okay yeah and uh so uh yeah this is this is the stuff of legends you realize <laughs> if there's a mountain involved somewhere we've got it covered it's <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, uh, and the, the B-side was a really fast punk number called No God, which became a staple at all of our shows. Okay. And then uh, uh, Big JM, which is my personal favorite song, and it's about a guy, John Marquez, uh, at our work, and he he does he loves the song, he doesn't mind his right. uh, name being mentioned, um, and it was just about his uh, feverish work ethic and doing everything at once, and... 
speaking five languages or whatever. Anyway, he was just a whirlwind of activity, and we did that song, and that is just uh, it was it was like an anthem almost. And, okay, and uh, we even caught certain people singing it in the crowd, and yeah, oh, I remember that very well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and those were the those were the three songs. So yeah, okay, I, I think that yeah, those are the only three. I think we recorded a fourth, which I don't quite remember. That didn't make the record, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, but it came out and it was a record. So I learned to play guitar for a record, and Slackbone basically became a band for a record. Yeah. I'm just trying to, it's it's almost as if somebody pressed reverse on something and you went backwards to get to where the starting point was or something. It's just, I'm, yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. And, and, and it's funny when I, uh, it, it, when I think about it, uh, it was just this morning on the way over here where I, 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 I was thinking about that and I was just like, yeah, we just kind of, yeah, we kind of willed ourselves just, okay, you're a band. And, and, oh, and, and, and on top of that, oh yeah, by the way, you're also musicians. And, uh, yeah, so that's how, yeah. So did happened. Wayne have any experience with guitar? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Wayne, Wayne had, uh, experience with guitar and, 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 uh, singing for that matter, uh, with bands and things like that. But, okay. uh, but, and I'd had experience in the music industry, but never picked up a guitar. Uh, so what know. was your experience previous to that? Well, I, w- I was kind of a, uh. Hmm, how do I put this? I started as a, a, a fan of the band Ministry and Revolting Cox and mm-hmm. soon became someone who was on tour with them and and really and, I didn't and, know that. And, and, and uh touring around a little bit and and I was the uh go to I, I was basically a gopher and stuff like that, uh-huh. but I, I learned how the whole uh music industry worked and, and worked my way up from there. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So Anyway, but then things got weird, and yeah, and I got a job at the airline. <laughs> All right, <laughs> very cool. So yeah, I was, I we were talking earlier. I remember the first time that we met, and it was at a place called the Nightbreak, which unfortunately is oh, is long that. gone in San Francisco. It, it's if anybody comes to San Francisco, it would be. I believe next to where Amoeba Records is now. Yeah, yeah, it was next to the old Rock and Bowl, so that okay. is Amoeba Records. Now. So on yeah, Haight yeah. Street, mm-hmm. yeah, and Absolutely. it was, it was, it was a perfect rock club. It was, it was, it was small. You walk in, there was a, a bar along the wall on the right hand side, a narrow thing, and then just a stage. And it was simple, and a little tiny room off to the side, but nothing fancy, nothing. But it was the perfect size for just a fun night of rock and roll, and then. They used to do a thing called Sushi Sundays. It was amazing, yeah. Where they would actually have a guy in there with a sushi cart making sushi for people during the rock shows, which, again, only in San Francisco. I never once tasted the sushi. All the Sushi Sunday (laughs) shows I played, I never tasted it once. It wasn't the venue I probably would have thought of to go eat sushi I think that was it. It was more like uh, the smell of rotting converse and stale beer. It doesn't, you know, conduct like good dining situations. And I also recall fighting a, and I'll say this now because the club is long gone, but I remember fighting a cockroach for my guitar once, so. Oh, okay. Is... I really didn't want to compete for the sushi with the same, you know, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're yeah, kind yeah. of badass. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's, don't mess around with them. So, but uh, that was, that was just a fun time. I remember it was, is, I think I opened the show and I don't remember who played next, but I remember Slackbone. I think you got us the gig. I, th- uh, I, I seem to remember you got us the gig. I don't even know because I think I met you at that gig. Oh, is that true? Oh, maybe I think that's... so. Yeah, because it was a random thing. Because it was we all kind of. I was really wow. fun. Oh, oh yeah, because that was the first time I'd ever played San Francisco. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was playing my solo stuff, my okay. acoustic punk, and I remember 
you got on stage and Slackbone was incredible. It was so much fun. And I remember the costumes and just, you know, really raw, great energy to the music. Uh, there was Multiple Choice, which became Fuckface. Amazing man. Yeah, amazing, amazing. band, which they had a, quite a legacy in the town. And then the Bar Feeders, I believe, was their first show. I still can't believe that was their first show. They were so amazing. That was so tight. So tight. I assume they'd been around for 15 years. Yeah, and they still play exactly like that, where it's yeah. just so tight and so on point. And mm. yeah, great band, great guys too. Yeah, 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 yeah wonderful show. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And uh, that show is uh, where we, I, well, I guess we both met the legendary Fast Mike, uh, the the Booker Extraordinaire of uh, uh, Nightbreak. And, yeah, and. He took a, I know he took a liking to us, to Slackbone, and yeah. we pretty much had a running gig there uh, almost every week, if not every two weeks, at the night break, and it just, uh, it, it was it was amazing. He lives in the Netherlands now. Uh, oh, he does? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send him this interview when it, when it comes Oh, he'd love that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he, he's, he's a fantastic guy, and he's still booking shows. That's yeah, so cool. Yeah, but just in in, uh, in Dutch. <laughs> that I mean that there was that was just a fun fun venue. It was really good. It was uh, I, I I love that the de facto dressing room because we had we were costumes. Yes, uh, as you mentioned, and and so we some of them took some time to get into. I remember one time I was completely duct taped with aluminum foil from head to toe, and uh, that happened in the uh, in I, I remember it was uh, did they have pinball. Or with pinball I and think video so. games I think so. and a little couch yeah. on the side. And so that became the dre- our, our uh, dressing room where I would get taped up and put in various uh, disguises for, for, for the band. I think at one point they were, somebody was even doing tattoos back there during the shows. That would not surprise me at all, the night break. I, didn't, I have yeah. no memory of that, but yeah. know, for all I know, I was the one giving the tattoos. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the costumes. Where did that come from? Because I remember, I remember there was a chicken suit at one point, I believe. Yeah, well, and... it all stemmed. If you remember from the beginning, I, I said we were a, a band for baggage handlers. Right? Yeah. And anyway, uh, at work, bags would get damaged or lost. That uh, I mean, there was nothing in them anymore, and eventually they would set them out in this one area to be. Um, to be discarded by somebody, but you could also, uh, ask to take this bag home if you wanted, if you were stupid, <laughs> you know, <'cause laughs> it's, just a, it's a broken bag. Uh, but Wayne, uh, saw potential in a very thick garment bag one day. Okay. And, uh, it, uh, a potential to make it into a suit of some sort where he cut out legs and armholes and. Oh, the actual garment bag. <clears throat> it was a really thick one. It was All right. like, it, it, like uh, say, you know, tw- you know all, close to a foot wide. So a body could fit in there. Okay. And we were all slimmer at the time. Anyway. So we, um, so Wayne did this and it was, it, it was, it was fantastic. But of course he was dressed in this ridiculous costume and it wouldn't look right for me standing next to him or Suzanne or Khan or uh, on drums to, to, to just be dressed normally. Right, so, right. So then we started uh, hitting thrift stores and we started doing everything. We would look for sets of things. Like, okay. Like sets of uh, heart pajamas or sets of this or that or j- just to make us look uniform in some way or uh, some way tied together. And so, uh, it, but it all started with Wayne's idea with converting a garment bag into a suit, uh, if I remember right. And so that, okay. that uh, yeah, and, and us trying to keep up with Wayne, essentially. All right, all right. Uh, and, uh, and then it just became uh, essential, like where 
people expected that. So then we had to keep upping the ante. Yeah, there was a chicken suit. There was a cow suit. There was okay. Oh, I remember yeah. the cow suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was oh, with, with udders, if I remember. I remember the udders. Yes, yeah, I. Yeah. Yeah, so the, yeah, it was it, that made it really hard for Suzanne to play bass with those udders sticking out. If I that remember, that costume did not seem like it was made to actually play music with. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what were some of your favorite costumes that that you did? Well, the uh, well, you know, Wayne was really the uh, he would set the tone. We we had a huge um, rubber made boxes of costumes, and so what we would do is we would uh, load up for the gig in our in our rental van. And then we would uh, open up the uh, action packers and decide what we were going to be wearing that night. You know, strangely enough, uh, we found these huge uh, moo-moos, and those were absolutely the best because... So, I don't know, okay, I remember weighing in a moo-moo a number of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I, I found this huge purple moo-moo. What was great was the cheap rayon they were made out of yeah. reflected the lights, uh, whatever minimal uh, lights were at the clubs we were playing. Right. And... What's more comfortable than wearing a muumuu on stage? I mean, come on. And it did make you look like rock and roll wizards almost. It's... Well, I'm glad that came across. But yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but but it was easy and it was wonderful. But the, as elaborate as our costumes got, the uh, the muumuus were the best, uh, purely for a practical sense. Yeah. And you, know, you can't go wrong with a muumuu. Exactly. You know that should have been our T-shirt. <laughs> Slackbone. You can't go wrong with a muumuu. And we actually uh, called uh, Wayne King. His uh, one of his stage names was King. Kamumu. King, and, okay. Yeah, yeah, and it was because he 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 more often than the rest of us donned the mumu, and I, I think if you pinned him down, it would be because of the practicality and comfort. But you know, as opposed to glam intentions. No, I, every time I've wore a dress on stage, it's the best choice I've ever made. Yeah, it, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why people wear t- pants on a stage. It, it's it's, it's yeah, silly. Really, it, it, we we need to get rid of pants on stage. If there's one thing we can do today, stop pants on the on the rock music stage. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. It's it's. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, because I I. I just I remember that was always a lot of fun and and that was one of the things I enjoyed about the Slackbone gigs is kind of the the air of the unexpected is the 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 unknown that you were entering into. <laughs> well, we always had something we would have a, a banjo player come on stage. We would have uh various things because we always I mean we had stupid, like people would be expecting odd things because we'd bring a synthesizer on stage that was always set up, but it was just literally used for five seconds. Okay. And so, so, so people were, you know, looking like that, but we always had, uh, hmm, we always, we always had plans for things. We always had, it was more than just a show. We always had a prank. We always had, uh, something in store, uh, you know, something that was going to happen, some some sort of, cate- uh, something to, to get the eyes back on the stage if our music wasn't doing it. <laughs> and the music did it, but it just, the whole package was fun. Uh, so yeah, it, it was a great time. We, uh, I mean, it, it was, it was actually hard sometimes to play those riffs on stage because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> it, it was, it was normally really, it was, enter- it was just as much for entertaining us, uh, if not more so than the crowd, yeah. uh, but cause we were just having a great time. So, well, that's, you know, it's funny. Cause I, I, there was a band I saw a while back who's, I'm not going to mention the name cause they're not real. I don't really enjoy their music. Okay. They're a really big popular band, but okay. they were having so much fun on stage that they're one of my favorite live bands I've ever seen. Oh, okay. I'm just not into their music. But, it, but you know, it's, it's funny how you, you know, there is something when a band is really having fun on stage, that does help take things to another level. 
Absolutely. It was kind of like, uh, uh, do you remember the Groovy Ghoulies with Kepi Ghoulie? I remember the name. I don't know if I ever actually saw one of their gigs. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they were they were just having, especially Kepi, was just having such a great time. And, and uh, they, they played kind of like a rockabilly ghoul punk sort of thing. Okay. And uh, with a lot of monster imagery, but they were just having the best time. And you could walk in with... Uh, with earplugs in and, and not be able to hear a, anything they were doing. And you would just know that that was music you liked, even though you can't hear the music, just watching them. On okay. Stage. And, and, and we saw them before. I, I think maybe they had some influence on us because we, we, we saw them a few times before we actually became a band band. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, I'm sure there was some influence there. Yeah. yeah. No, cause I really, I mean, you always looked like you were having fun and the costumes and the music were just, it was a whole package. It was a really good experience. Plus Fast Mike at uh, at uh, Nightbreak, some of those gigs, if you look back, there was like 20 bands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'd... it went on all day, yeah. and, uh, all weekend sometimes. And uh, and the, it just created such a sense of community, too, because yeah. you knew these people, you knew all these bands. Uh, and, and it wasn't all punk. It was, uh, they would call it, I think, sometimes Punk Sunday or right. something. I forget what they called it. But um, but there was every kind of music possible there. Well, not every, but most. And it was, uh, yeah. And the community that Fast Mike uh, created is just amazing. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. For people who, just to give a time context, that was around the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. and it was it was a really fun period because so I think that was grunge was still happening in Seattle, but there right. was nothing grunge about San, San Francisco. Just had its own eclectic music scene, right? That had nothing to do with anything else going on around us. It was just fun. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and f that was the main thing, fun. And yeah. uh, that's what I really liked about it. It, it, it. it could be morose as as the grunge scene was, but but it was done with like a wink. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and that's what I liked about it. And I still crave for that time. It, it, it was yeah. yeah, it was it was wonderful. Yeah, there there really was a tongue in cheek to just about everything that, right, right, that went on. Right. And, yeah. So. Yeah, we played. You were, we were talking earlier about it. There was a compilation we were on years ago called the New Shoes Compilation. Oh yeah, Dave Dalton, uh, the Screaming Bloody Marys, put that together. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. then is the there was used to be this incredible club called the Paradise. So oh, yeah, it was great. Is club. the Paradise was a, a two story club where you'd walk in and there was a bar. Then you'd walk into the next room. If you kept walking back, there was a bar with a stage, and then there was. In the next room, there was the main stage. Right. Then there was an upstairs with another stage. That mm -hmm. way they would do more acoustic stuff. Right. And so they could have simultaneously, they could have multiple bands playing in different parts of the building. And it was one of the more interesting clubs in the city. They And so do you want to talk about that night a little bit? Yeah. The wonderful Dave uh, Dalton put on this uh, show to showcase this uh, compilation uh, album, uh, New Shoes. I don't know if I said we were loud, but we were loud. A uh, very loud man, but 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 very distortion driven punk. Yeah. In any case, so when they had to divide up because it was uh, how many people were on that? Band? I think there uh, was at least twenty bands. Yeah, right. And I think almost all of them were present, if not all of them. I think just about everybody. Yeah. yeah. And, and like like you just said, they had three stages, and uh, because we were relatively young upstarts at that point. Uh, the only place they could put us was the acoustic room upstairs, which we were, uh, we were like, <laughs> we hit, we did have. And like, it was a tiny room. Right. 
with a tiny stage. And, and it, but it was pretty room and had paint was, and windows nice, yeah, and stuff. But, but, but uh, we did have a couple songs that would lend themselves to that. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, we talked about moving on earlier. That, yeah. that could do it. But that's it. That and uh, I think we had a jazzy number. So, but we complained to Dave and Dave and Dave's sweet guy, but he couldn't. There was no way to get us yeah. anywhere else. But it was a full house of right. everything. And so we hatched a plan. <laughs> So what we did was uh, we we set up all of our acoustic instruments, but in the back we had hidden very carefully all of our uh, electric gear, and we also went to SIR Studio Instrument Rentals and got an industrial strength fog machine we rented for the night. It, <laughs> it was huge. It was massive. It it was like the size of a Marshall stack if you put it all side by side. It was this okay. huge unit which. Uh, I'm sure everyone thought it was some sort of a, you know, musical, you know, it was an amp or something. Anyway, we had that covered up. So what we did was we started our first song, very light and acoustic. Yeah. And we had our minions in the back uh, <laughs> uh, switch on the fog machine. And this wasn't a run-of-the-mill fog machine. This was like one that I think was meant for like big, gigantic, like, so like a Coliseum style right. fog machine, uh, okay? Yeah, you know, which we, you know, we, we, like we said, we had good jobs, we, right? We could, right. We could afford antics like this, and then while that happened, uh, we switched on our, uh, our our electrics and and came out and started actually playing our our actual stuff at high volume in this tiny, tiny. Sl- fog drenched room and uh, yeah the the calls came out you need to stop but they couldn't find us really they they, <laughs> they, 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 they knew where the stage was but they couldn't negotiate the the tables to get back to us they, they uh, it, we heard people screaming we heard a, uh, it, it was wonderful uh, we heard them threatening to call the fire department and we, and we kept because I, I think I opened up for you right 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 yeah. I think you did and and, and so <laughs> and, and, and essentially what happened is they eventually cut our uh, cut our power and we were permanently banned from the night break I mean not the night break pardon me uh, paradise the lounge. paradise lounge yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, yeah which was sad it was a nice it was a nice uh, venue we had never played before or obviously since but uh, yeah it was it was amazing uh, it, it, it was a little civil disobedience I guess you would call it yeah and people were very mad at us but you know what if that hadn't happened there would be the memory of that show would be long gone. Right. So you right. did everybody a favor. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I'd like to think there's stories about the uh, the band that just really, really needed to play electric to cover up from their frailties as musicians. <laughs> it's it's those moments, so you know those those moments where the unexpected happens. That yeah. You know, yeah otherwise, it's, it's just another show. It it, it was great because I, I I mean it was I couldn't see my like. My, my feet, I couldn't see anything at that. Yeah, it, it was so, it worked way better than we anticipated. And it, when it switched, it's amazing on, you could play actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't play for long, obviously, but they, but they, uh, wow, yeah, it, it, it was way too effective. Yeah, we should have known by the sheer size of the monstrosity we brought in there that it was going to unleash hellish amounts of smoke, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you got what time. you paid for, though, and you know, yeah, yeah, it was a good time. People were angry, but they got over it. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome.
There was a lot of fun stuff. There was also, I remember we played Geek Fest together. Oh, Geek Fest was great with uh, yeah. John Mink. Mm-hmm. Uh, is now with Street Eaters. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was fabulous on the Richmond Shore there. Yeah, uh, Point Melade, I think it was. Is that what, what was it? Was it called Point Melade, or is that? It was up in that area. It, it was something like it's that. It's probably yeah. developed with condos by now, but probably it was a little stretch of beach that now I think of this. Uh, when I think back on it, what a Eden we had. Basically, we were never harassed by. I don't remember police, cops, or anybody ever or went anything. down there. And once. it was an all day music fest yeah and it was amazing and people came out left and right to uh it was it was great and they funded it all with hot dog sales i think what i remember <laughs> i mean the, the the green day guys would show up at it i mean Absolutely. it was just you know yeah yeah that was amazing looking down and seeing them uh, i i think some guys from rancid were there and, probably uh, and uh and at that point they were more than broken but they were they were still on the cusp of the fame they would uh eventually achieve yeah but, they, but it was uh yeah, it was just an amazing time, amazing bands. Yeah, John's vision for that was amazing. That, uh, yeah. yeah. And the fact that it pulled off, it, we, it was pulled off every time without, because that went on for several years, if I remember it right. It did, and it was always, I mean, there was never violence, there was never trouble, no one ever got hurt. I mean, it was kind of amazing to have something that got as big as it did. Plus, I don't know if you remember, but down the beach, there was always a rave happening. Oh my God, I do remember. So, on that. top of what we had going on, there was an outdoor rave going on. So, you had all the ravers happening too. And even with all that happening, there was still, it was still civil. I mean, everything was. And, and uh, in, in terms of our side of the beach with the uh, Geek Fest, I think if you look at it, it, like the fun we were mentioning earlier and the, uh, the, the, the little winky aspect to what we were doing. Yeah. When, when you look at that, it would be so hard to be violent. <laughs> but it was, and it was also so much fun because the variety of music that they put together wasn't, there was nothing cool about it. You know, like a lot of oh, the shows yeah. where you have, you have five bands that all sound alike. And so everybody knows exactly how to look cool at that gig. Where right. at the Geek Fest, I remember there was uh, there was one of my favorite band names ever. There was a band called My Sunny Disposition. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I just I love that name. But yeah. you'd have them. You'd have Bobby Joel the Bowl and the ch- Bobby Joey Bowl and the Children McNuggets. We're playing. still making we're still records. making ma- music yeah, yeah. and doing a great job and and just such a variety of stuff. And I think that was one of the things that made it fun is that it never got stale. Yeah, but I do like your thought that uh, that that it was just off. Every band was just awkward enough compared to the next band that there was no way to be one way of cool. Right. And so everyone just abandoned all aspects because cool was just something that was unachievable. So everyone exactly. abandoned the cool factor and just said, you know what, we're just dorks. And, well, that's yeah. And I remember, I remember, like that's how I met Mike from Green Day out there, okay. and I'm standing next to him watching one of the bands. Yeah. And we're talking, and and it was just I'm like, oh, you play a, you play music because I figured just what everybody out there did. He's like, yeah, I play bass, and we're just talking, and I'm yeah. like, oh, who do you play with? Oh, Green Day. I'm like, oh, that's cool, you know. <laughs> but it was, that was kind of how the whole atmosphere was. It was just very, it's really casual. Right. It was almost like somebody was just throwing a party in their backyard or something. But it was even less tense than a party in a backyard. That's true, yeah. Yeah, because it was, it, it was almost an Eden in that aspect. Because I don't know why. It was just always so it, relaxing. Yeah, there were no egos. There was no... And I mean, that's, yeah. I know it sounds strange for anybody who didn't experience it, but yeah. 
it was, I mean, I remember, and they became the pirate punks. There were kids who used to dress up as pirates and just beat each other with foam sticks. Do you remember them? <laughs> yes, yeah. And yeah, we yeah. are pirate punks, and they would beat each other. And then suddenly they actually became a movement. Yeah. And they're actually international now, which is really funny. <laughs> Do they have something to do with the pirate party in Germany? <laughs> they probably, well, they might. Who knows? That <laughs> yeah, could yeah. be. But, you know, it's just, it just fa- it was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 was, a, it was amazing. I would almost call it an exper- extended experiment that really proved, uh, to me, it just proved that, that the goodness in people exists and, and, and just the want to have, we're all the same. We just all want to have a good time. And when those, when those things are met, you know, when those needs are met, we can all live and, and have a wonderful time together. And it was it was a wonderful Edenic experience. You know? Yeah. No, I remember there was a real vitality to it, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, that existed outside. But it, like the Nightbreak uh, gigs, uh, yeah, we we met so many great bands that we would continue to play with. Uh, Slackbone would continue to play with for a long yeah. time, and uh, yeah, it was a great time. Did, do you ever play the formula that that used to be out there at one? I was only there for about a year or two. Where was that? That was in Emeryville. No, no. Okay, never. Yeah. it was a great club, but they they just you know it was wrong place, wrong time. But for their little bleep that they were there, they were amazing. I remember yeah. the guy, John, was it John Fogarty? Oh, oh, from CCR. CCR, the well, the, the brother who passed away. Oh, okay. It was his son was actually one of the sound guys out there. Okay. And it was just really it was a real interesting kind of club, but that was just like, there, but there was just a rock, bunch of interesting stuff happening at that time. Yeah, yeah, that whole El Sobrante scene was kind of fun that John Mink yeah. uh, uh, put together well successfully. Not tried, he successfully put together. Well, a lot of music has come from up there. I mean, if you think about it, Primus came from up in that area. Yeah. CCR Creedence yeah. Clearwater Revival actually comes from El Cerrito, which yeah. is up in that area metallica comes from that area yeah. is uh you know green day comes from up in that area yeah that's true i mean really it's that's kind of a, it's crazy to think that this little suburban pocket has spawned all this music we need to do a cultural study to see w- what that is was it spawned as an offshoot of uh or, or inspired by 924 gilman what or, you know what you know what right. culturally exists to make that such a ripe atmosphere you know, for, for music and culture. I'm sure that has been done, actually. I just haven't found the paper <laughs> because academics keep their stuff behind paywalls. Well, and you know what they're doing now is they're actually buying up old fanzines. Oh, yeah. And they're, 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 they're doing studies of, of the fanzines, which I think is... is That's worthwhile, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's because it's a way to look at a, at a, a subculture and right. kind of get a, a glimpse into it. So it's kind of fascinating. Yeah, yeah it was a good time. How long was Slackbone a band then? I don't even really know. We had a, a change where Suzanne and Wayne are uh, Suzanne, the bass player, yeah. and Wayne are the singer, guitar player, songwriter. It, they they had a child, and so she she had to drop out of the band, and we got Craig in there. So that was at the last. Craig Chappelle is who I'm talking about. Is amazing yeah. bass player came in, great showman too. Yeah, he also was on that new shoes that new shoes compilation. I think. Oh no, no, he was on the Geek Fest compilation. Okay, he was on, and uh, but he he came on board with us, and uh, that was great. So I would say we were a good five years, maybe solid five years. It seems like it was longer, but uh, it seemed longer. But that was such a vibrant time. Yeah. So there was a lot of people dropping in and out, and we, we yeah. And it seems like five years, but it was a lot of fun. We played a lot of shows, met a lot of wonderful people, and 
yeah, I met you. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, it, 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 was, it was a fabulous time. We, we, we played some, it, it was really funny. We, you know, we actually played some huge gigs, but those were n- n- totally not suited for Slackbone. Yeah. We, we ended up playing some uh, big things, uh, and I, I forget what they were called, but large bills with big name bands. And uh, we were totally su- were suited for the small, dank club. That, that, right. is, that is our natural habitat. That's <laughs> our natural habitat. And that's the only way we could thrive and actually, uh, you, know, you know, still breathe the oxygen. And, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, I, I, I miss the time. Uh, so many great, it wasn't just, you know, we we're talking about Nightbreak, but there were so many great clubs going. Cocodri at the time yeah, uh, uh, was was in North Beach in San Francisco. Uh, just, you know, what were the Chameleon. Ones? Chameleon. Chameleon was a great one. Uh, okay. We I remember we played a really fun show there once. I do remember that. Yeah. That was really fun. And, and hey. Yeah, there was so many amazing clubs. Oh, there the was time. that underground. Remember that underground club that was the fire hazard? That every show, we couldn't advertise the shows because if it was advertised, they would shut it down for good reason. It was... Oh, wait. It was Club Commotion. Commotion, yes. That place yes. was... It had one of the nicest stages. It was a beautiful hall. Great sound there for a... It was great sound. And I remember the sound guy was so funny one day because... I gave him an Aircore t-shirt, and he's like, oh, thank you so much. I don't have to do laundry for another month now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I felt good about that or not. I was just like, I had that enabling moment of, have I just contributed to something really awful here, or what's going on here? Yeah. But uh, what it was is, I don't know if you remember that club had, the, the entrance was a really long, narrow entrance. Yeah. And that was the only way in or out. And if there was ever a fire. That everyone, was the one in the mission, right? That was the yeah, one in yeah, the mission. Yeah. If any, and if there was ever a fire, basically it was just you were dead. That brings up a funny story. But we still did shows there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, funny story. Have you ever heard the story of our singer and the and the, uh, the band Crash Worship? No, I haven't. At I don't... the commotion. Well, anyway, uh, Crash Worship, amazing San Diego uh, uh, percussion related band. Uh, we, you know, they're up here doing the Extra Action Marching Band now. That's what that evolved that. into. Which that's somebody who just putting it out there. I would love to do an interview with those people because I think their their work is phenomenal. So anyway, back to your story. It's Hopefully, Eric won't give you my address if you do come <laughs> because, because once you hear this next story, oh, no. you're not gonna you're not you're not gonna like this. Uh, you'll delete out my last name right in the beginning of this. Um, anyway, uh, so Crash Worship are playing the uh, are playing uh, Commotion packed house as it should have been for them it was amazing and we they were, were phenomenal they had like this weird like i remember like we could kind of sit in the rafters up to the left of the stage oh it was a really cool yeah I yeah mean, and we were up there and it was completely packed and uh well i was up there i think with suzanne wayne's wife and but wayne was down in the crowd somewhere okay and you know crash worship likes to use fire lots of fire and right. steel and saws and, and, and well our singer Wayne has a uh, a, a problem. He, he grew up. Uh, his parents were volunteer fire people and, okay. and, and, in New York, and so he has fire safety is a big thing, oh, and, no. which developed into a uh, slight paranoia. So when they started using fire left and right, which I mean, 
if you're going to a crash worship show, you should expect fire. Right. Uh, fire, and uh, and he looked around and saw no fire exits, speaking of the fire trap sort of thing. Oh, okay. Wayne starts screaming fire. Oh, no, because oh. I, I remember this story now. Okay, please keep going. And, and, and we're up in the rafters, and we don't, it's so packed and dark, and besides for the fire, that we don't know that that's Wayne. And we're up there going, what the hell? And people are just stampeding out of the place. Which, again, would be a really scary place to see people stampede. Yeah. Because there was no, it was a very narrow, long. Right. And Jello Biafra is up on stage, grab, he runs on stage and grabs a mic trying to calm people down. Like, calm down, guys. You know, you know, you know, it's not, it's not a fire. And, and. And, but you got to say that a little more vibrato in your voice. I, 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 I didn't want to <laughs> act like I was imitating Jadella, but, but I, come on, guys. But, but uh, so everyone goes out. And so eventually we we're like, oh, gosh, I guess we have to go out too, right? So uh, us and the rafters go outside. And then we get finally uh, uh, reacquainted with Wayne outside. <laughs> and, and, and we start going, well, who the, who the fuck shut down that, that show? And Wayne's like, what do you mean? That was a, that was a fire hazard. Oh, it was you! Oh my God! <laughs> and so Wayne shut down a crash worship show. So that you know. Oh, for what it's worth, is that venue had been on the fire department's shutdown list for a long time, and they only kept it going as underground club. And honestly, if anything did happen there, yeah, there was no way out. I mean, yeah. really, and <laughs> and that was probably the most dangerous band that could have ever been put in that venue. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a lot of fun. So, but uh, uh, un- unfortunately, Wayne uh, shut down the show. But but you know, really, if you're looking for putting your mark on stuff, you know, you know, shutting down a, personally, shutting down a Crash Worship show. Uh, even though I love Crash Worship, just it, it's an interesting uh, addition to one CV. Well, and for yeah. what it's worth, I from what I understand, there the lore of that band is that how the Extra Action Marching Band came out of that was the police shutting down their shows. So this is, could have happened in other ways, too. So what they used to do is take the show into the streets. Oh, okay. And that's how that evolved Which they that. did that night. As okay. a matter of fact, that night, they, they, uh, when we were all out there, they, they came out there and, and kept performing on, on the streets. So, so there you yeah. go. So it was, it, you didn't stop the show. The show just evolved into its next stage. You hear that, Wayne? Uh, when I send you this, uh, <laughs> you, you, you see, you actually helped Crash Worship form into their new and more spectacular version of themselves. Yeah. So, so you, you're an artistic Svengali. Mind you, you might not want to wait for the thank you note to show up in the mail, but... Right, because... And no, if it did show up, I wouldn't open it, but hey, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah, because you should just assume the thanks are out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me, where where is everybody now? What are they doing? So, well, uh, you know, Wayne is still in the uh, in the uh, baggage business. Uh, he's up in Portland, Oregon. Okay, uh, uh, working at Portland Airport. Uh, Suzanne's going for for her master's, and I believe this this will shock you with a band with the ex uh, with the single No God. I think she's going for a theology master's. Of course, uh, yeah, yeah, like you do. I'm going to school and writing a book. I'm, I'm I just got my BA at uh, UC Berkeley, and I'm looking to get an education master's coming up. And uh, the only one still, well, I should say Wayne's also playing in a band uh, with our buddy Charlie uh, called Supper, where he flies down here, and and they play gigs all the time. But the only one that's really, really still in the business is our amazing drummer, Khan, which we always laughed about. He could play guitar better than all of us, and he's our drummer. You're kidding, because he was a phenomenal drummer. Yeah. I mean, the guy is just pure power. He's just a musician. Yeah. Yeah, all all around. And uh, he's 
uh, currently playing uh, in Virgo Supercluster here in the Bay Area, which is an amazing band uh, with uh, Bruno from Flipper. And uh, yeah, doing some amazing stuff. And uh, yeah, so he's he and he's also still working uh, in the uh, at, in, at I shouldn't say our airline, but at uh, <laughs> in the baggage handling business. But yeah, yeah, during the day. Oh, that's really cool. So yeah, so he's still rocking it. So yeah, yeah. no, and I I, I just I, I forgot to mention earlier, but I, I remember we actually Gunpowder got to do a Slackbone song once Take No Prisoners oh it's a beautiful song Wayne, uh, Wayne Schiller wrote that yeah. it's actually my favorite version of that song is a Slackbone version just because I love his vocals on it he was really emoting in that in, in, in truth beautiful yeah a
I'm just a powerful song. So. Funny, funny thing about the recording of that song and, and just in general with doing it, because that, that used to be a song Wayne used to play on the beach quite a bit when we'd have uh, bonfires and things like that. He'd play and sing that. and uh, The and, PCP parties. Right, the pumpkin carving parties, right. <laughs> not the drug people. And uh, and uh, what we uh, so what would happen is I, I'd be fairly inebriated at these parties, and I would try to play along with Wayne on acoustic guitar with the thing, and I never uh, I, I figured out the keep in mind I'm 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 not trained to be a, a musician, but I I uh, I only knew two parts of that song, and and like the bridge and things, I never quite figured out what the hell Wayne was doing. Yeah. it sounded great. So in all the recordings, I'm just make when that happens, I I just make it up. Oh, okay. I, I, I just make it up and do what, and it's totally and it worked out really well in the recordings because I, I I'm kind of faking what Wayne's doing, but I'm really just trying to make my fingers look busy, and uh and, and somehow it all worked out there. So <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing song Wayne did. Yeah. So that's yeah, no, it's 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 one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a, it's a great song. Yeah, and and uh, we we recorded that also with Doug Carlson over at the uh, the the first Secret Studios. The other Secret Studios. Yeah, the yes. other, not not this one that's totally secret. The, the totally, which it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no sign on the door on this one. No, yeah. no, and even the sign is a diver- even what there you get is a diversion. So yeah, that's true. Which you found out the hard way today. Yeah, so. yeah, I stood at a door that doesn't open for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. We should have held the interview through the intercom. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe we'll make a YouTube video of that or something. See if we get the footage. It's <laughs> <laughs> me just standing up front knocking. It, it'll be like one of those Warhol films. It'll be Man at Door, <laughs> and it'll just be footage of you standing there for like three hours or something. So I like it pacing back and forth. I remember walking into uh, the New York Museum of Modern Art, mm. and they had a whole room devoted to Warhol mm. movies. I walked in there. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Why? Why? How did he get away with this? Really? So really? I mean, genius. <laughs> but there's a point where it's like, okay, but I don't actually have to see it. You just tell me about it. So, <laughs> but yeah, well, this is great, and. So do you have any plans on doing any more music? Is that something that you see in your future? Would you like to? Yeah, once I'm through school, I'd really like to do that, and especially uh, if I get a teaching gig where I'm off the summers and things like that. I, yeah. I, I could really see doing that again and investing in, in, in that again. I would really like to do it because I, I am, you know, I'm I'm always envious. You know, every show I go to, uh, I, I, I enjoyed shows more when I was, when I was playing because yeah. – uh, uh, because I was doing something artistically, but uh, right. I, I need to be doing something artistically again so I can uh, re-enjoy m- and embrace music again. So def- definitely in the future, I'd love to do that. Is there anything stylistically you'd like to do? Anybody you really want to play with? Is Oh, boy. 
you know, I, I wouldn't want to uh, uh, pigeonhole myself with, with, with that sort of thing right yeah. now. Uh, I don't know. I'd like to... I, I like to see what comes out organically, and then uh, and then see what's going on. You know, you know strangely, there's a, there's a lot of like like pseudo new wave, like new wave meaning the '80s version of new wave right. that are resurfacing. I'm really, I, I I really like the emotions coming out of a lot of it, or at least the feeling it brings. It brings back the feelings of my prepubescent self. Well, uh, yeah, it's interesting because there's 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 a really interesting emotional tone to those, and then there's the minimalism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which they 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 play off each other really well. Yeah, and, and, and it's it's coming around quite a bit. I'm hearing a, a lot of bands, and even really produced bands like uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Future Islands. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have an amazing knack to bring up all of the emotions I had as a pubescent teenager in, in like the same the way they write their bridges. At, at everything. It's yeah. just amazing that, that uh, when I first heard them, I, it, it it wasn't even a matter of getting accustomed to them or, or learning their stuff. They immediately conjured up the emotions and, and energy that I had as a young kid. And, and, and on the surface, it looks almost like synth, like typical synth rock sort of stuff, a synthesizer rock. But uh, uh, there's a, so much of that happening right now that uh, I don't know if I'd be able to pull that off, but I would yeah. sure like to be attached to it because oh, I love cool. the emotions involved. Yeah. Well, that's a possibility then. Yeah, yeah you never know. You're putting it out there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm there if anybody needs somebody. Well, put out a tape, get drunk, and it might happen. Hey, it's, who knows? It worked it, once it, before. It, it's... <laughs> It, it would probably happen better without the drinking, but probably, <laughs> probably, <laughs> yeah. yes. So, so I think that, uh, yeah. So, so that might happen. So, so the, one of the uh, questions we like to ask a lot of people on our show is, is what's music mean to you? Mm-hmm. Wow, what's music mean to me? Well, well, you know, I, I kind of just touched on it. it, it it's uh, what, a, as a fan, yeah. What music? It, well, actually, any art. Let, let, let's 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 just put it with writing as well. Right. Is I I I know I'm taken with whatever the art is when I'm envious. Oh wow! I never. That's interesting. Okay. When, when I you know I can enjoy a band. I can really enjoy lots of different bands. Right. But the second that guitar player or that drummer or that whoever yeah. or the writer uh, t- uh, turns a phrase, where I go. Why? I really wish I would have written that. I really wish I would have put those chords together and and, and did that sound. Then I'm overcome, and I think that's what uh, music. So in a way, music is is actually being inspired into uh, inspired by envy for me. Wow. And uh, yeah, and, and I don't know if that sounds weird or bad. No, not at all. I just, yeah. I you brought a, something to mind. I've never considered that before, but I realize there are times where I see somebody doing something so incredible and so amazing, and that is one of the emotions that comes up sometimes. It's like, wow, how did they do that? How are they doing that? Why can't I do that? You know, exactly. Like the short uh, for me with writing, it's like the short story writer uh, Raymond Carver. Oh my God, every, because short stories are so compact and you have to yeah. fill them with so much content that the, the moment, like he, he turns a line, every line is so perfect that every, I, 
it takes me forever to get through his short stories because every line, I'm like, God damn it, Chris, why can't you write like Raymond Carver? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah, and the same thing happens with me with music. And so, yeah, yeah, music, uh, so what I'm saying is music's like kind of a, in, a, a a constant inspirational feedback loop. If you see the right things and you expose yourself to the a wide array of music and art, it, it, in in with in my case, it, you feed off that envy, yeah, and, and and you try you don't try to do the same thing because that would be silly, right? But but uh, you, you try to create the emotion and you try to make someone else envious of something you just did or yeah. the joke you just made. And I'm I'm even thinking about one of the things I I love is I love getting on stage after a band who completely blows my mind. Oh yeah, like if I if I if I go to a show and the band before us is so fucking amazing and unbelievably good that then i go okay now somehow we have to be that much better and i, and I love it that does make you better and it does make Absolutely. you better that's why i love that i love yeah. that because there is something about it where it's like okay they just pushed it a little bit further to the edge how do we find that next little bit of the edge that they didn't find yeah exactly it's it's you know like like all music builds off you know the original building blocks of uh of uh, like say blues and, right. and, and onward, but it's even on the micro level, like at a show where, where all, all three bands or four bands or in the case of Nightbreak, tw- you know, 12, 15 bands back in the day, they all build each other, uh, build off each other to a crescendo and, and, and not only trying to meet audience expectations, but trying to make your own personal expectations a, uh, a lot higher and more, more, uh, more inspiring. Yeah. 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 That's really, so that's cool. So um, one last question for you okay. is if people want to get in touch with you, reach out to you, offer you a record deal. <laughs> I mean, it could happen, right? If anybody it could happen sure. to, it would be you. How can they get in touch with you? Well, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, is it okay just to give an email address? It's absolutely okay to do okay. that. Okay. Uh, CJK1970, my birth year. <laughs> At gmail.com, cjk1970 uh, at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, I'll be glad to, uh, yeah, you know, answer any emails or uh, peruse your advertisement for Viagra. Yeah. And and would you be willing to start a band for somebody if they wanted that? When the time's right. All right, all Absolutely. right. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that, that's probably a year and a half off. At least, and it will happen. So, okay. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been great, and look forward to seeing what happens in the future. Yeah, me too. It'll it'll be fun stuff, and I, I'm sure if something happens, I'll be playing once again with with you too. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. All okay. right, thank you, Chris. We All right, thank you.
for me to hurt Could it be that he is good Baggage loading as he should For all the human race In my personal space What do you think about that? Uh, well, not much I'd spy, drive them We can't spin them Don't beat your heel Or if he's in them Let's